You know, when, when we first started getting into uh, the Outreach Center, and we started really, that started to unfold and started to come together. Uh, you know, one of the things the Lord <clears throat> kind of really spoke to Mark, my heart, kind of softly, but, but really in a very uh, profound way, and just began to say, you know, this, this uh, center is not an add-on. It's not a side issue. It's not a sideshow or side thing. It's not a project that I'm putting you on. This is going to change you. And uh, I, I felt the Lord challenge me and said, this is going to change you. And not just because I'm, I'm there a lot and have all the stress and burden of, of whatever, but this is going to change us. And I believe that God is directing us. I believe that, you know, like we're just putting the sail up, right? And we're just saying, Lord, wherever you want us to go, whatever you want us to do, we're going to do it. And we're just going to be faithful to do it with everything that's within our hearts and everything the Bible says your hand finds to do. Do it with all, all your might. And we're just going to do it under the Lord. Amen? Right? And, you know, I'm thinking about the people that are coming in. I'm thinking about the people that I haven't even met yet. The people that God really wants to come in and touch through, through you, really. And as using the center and our church as that, just God just really touching people. I'm, I'm, I'm praising God right now. I'm thanking the Lord right now, ahead of time. Amen. Of all the miracles that are happening, going to happen. Amen. All the things that God's going to do and pour out His Spirit. All the ministries that are going to be joined because of this. All the agencies that are going to work together because of it. All the Christians that are coming together because of it. I'm excited. Amen. And so I'm excited about working with you. I'm excited about working together. Uh, this isn't a one-man band or this isn't a, just a, a small core of people that the burden comes on. This is all of us working together in the vineyard that God has for us. And so I'm excited about it. And, and uh, I guess I can't go a whole week without saying it, I guess. And, and uh, even though I've tried to just stay away this week and, all right, I'm going to take a little bit break. And I still had to go there for something. I found an excuse to get in there and just walk around and pray over it and just thank the Lord for it. Amen. Also, just something that we want to continue the, as we were a couple weeks ago, just this, this, this really this uh, emphasis on discipleship. And, and the reason is, is because one of the challenges the Lord gave me with the center is, you know, really challenged me. He said, do you really want it? Do you really want what I have for you? Now, that, that, that kind of sounds a little bit ridiculous. Well, how would you, you know, how would you say no to God? But isn't it sometimes we find ourselves in that challenging place that, Lord, sometimes we just don't say yes right away, or we just really don't want what God wants. We want something a little bit more comfortable, something a little bit more easy for us, something that we're more familiar with. But how many know when God's will, and he, he brings you and speaks about his will, amen, it's something that you're not familiar with a lot. And so God says, that's why you need me. That's why you need my equipping, and that's why you need my grace. That's why you need my strength. And so you know, with that being said, you know, I really feel that uh, we've got to come to the place where we're really able, as a church, to handle the harvest. To handle people coming in. To be able to, uh, you know, take care of people when they come in. You know, it's one thing to open up a hospital, have the dedication, and have all the, you know, you get all the equipment, the latest equipment. But if you don't have any doctors and nurses, and you don't have staff, and you don't have, I mean, what's the point of having a hospital? And so if we're not ready for it as a church, I believe that God's going to say, you know, I'm, I'm going to wait until you get ready for it. I'm going to wait until you want it. I'm going to wait until you really, your heart's cry is to help people. Amen? So that was the other challenge. And so I, I, I really, you know, want to step up to that challenge. And I want to say, Lord, I want this to change me in the sense that I'm going to reach people more, reach out to people more. I'm going to love people more. And I want to make disciples for Jesus more. Amen? So with that also being said, I, I, I just wanted to uh, go into this this morning, a scripture that, that was really in my heart a couple weeks ago that really uh, spoke volumes to me as I began to search it out and hopefully encourage you today. And on the, the kind of the subject of our series that we were doing, we were doing a discipleship series called Follow, and we talked about walking with Jesus and, and loving God and, and listening to the Lord and and walking closely behind him. But really you've got to talk about, when you talk about discipleship, you've got to talk about serving. You've got to talk about serving. And you know, a disciple that serves loves other people. A disciple that serves builds community, works on community with other people. And a disciple that serves is someone who shows mercy, who displays mercy, who walks in mercy, who walks in good works, who walks in mercy. And so as a, a, a disciple of Jesus, I'm called not just to follow him, but I'm called to serve. 
I'm called to love other people. I'm called to fellowship with other believers. I'm called to show mercy to the people in my world or the world around me. How many can agree with that? That's, that's what we're called to do. And so um, on the subject of loving other people and, and serving and loving other people, I think sometimes we think that that's below us. That we sometimes, human nature would say, well, I got that figured out. Yeah, that's, give me the deep stuff. Give me the, give me the meaty stuff, the revelations of God's Word. And then I'll really, really, you know, I'll be on to something. No, but you know, you're not going to be any more spiritual than, than how much you love other people. Amen? And it only goes as far as you love other people. But I love this scripture in John 13, 34 and 35. And I'm going to use this just this morning as a text and do something a little different. I'm going to take the scripture and we're just going to look at the scripture and, and just talk about this scripture and, and pull some principles out of this scripture here. In John 13, 34 and 35, it says this. Jesus is speaking. He says, So I give you now a new commandment to love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have, love, uh, I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you are my true followers or your Jesus followers, as we shared a couple weeks ago. By this, every, all men should know, the King James says, that you are my disciples, that you are Jesus followers, that you are, belong to me, this, that everybody. Your strong love is what Jesus is saying. Your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. That's, that just blows me away. This is one of the scriptures that when I read it, you could, you know, as, you know, you maybe heard it a hundred times and you kind of went over it a little bit. And then when you go back to it, you're like, wow, this blows me away. This is a really, really life-changing, revolutionary scripture and thought that Jesus is not just presenting at that time, but as we, he's in now to our world, to all culture, to our hearts. I mean, this is something that blows me away. This is how everyone's going to know that you're his disciples by how much you love other people. Not how much you stand on a street corner. With a, I mean, that's necessary. Not how much you pass out tracts. That's necessary. Not how much you do for other people. That's necessary. How much you love other people. And precisely and specifically, the Bible says one another. Jesus is talking to disciples. He's not just saying all men. He's talking about them, them, you know, those guys, each other. Like you guys, the church. How much you love one another. So look at this. Number one, he looks and he, and, and he brings this right out. He says, a new commandment I give to you. Now, how many have re read that and thought to yourself that Jesus was making up new rules? As a, you know, I was, when I was young and I used to thought, oh, here we go. He did away with the Old Testament, the Old Law, law and all those things. And now he's saying something new and totally different. And it's, it's a new commandment. It, it's something new Jesus is doing. No, that's not what he's saying. Let's look at this. A new commandment I give to you. Now, why? Why do I know it's not something that's opposite of what he was already saying in the Old Testament? Because in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, Jesus, or the Bible teaches us, love your neighbor. Come on, is that part of the Ten Commandments? The Bible says, even Jesus said this, that everything hangs on two things. Love God with everything and love other people better than yourself. So they already knew to love other people. They already knew to love your neighbor as yourself. That wasn't new. What was new is what Jesus was saying because that was in the Mosaic Law. So they already knew that I was to love my brothers. But here's what Jesus talked about when he said new. Number one, he said, now my love is the standard that you measure love by from now on. The standard that I give you as far as what love is, that's love. That's how you measure love. So Jesus was giving them a new standard. What he was saying was a new commandment or a fresh commandment. Part of the new covenant or the fresh covenant that Jesus came to bring us, right? And he said, now I'm giving you a fresh commandment. Along with the new covenant comes fresh commandments. These aren't things that I'm making up as I go. These are things that were there in the Old Testament, but now they're coming alive, not by the letter, but by the heart. All right? So this is the standard. So Jesus is saying by a new commandment, he's saying the standard now is my love. That's how you live. That's how you measure. That's how you, come on, that's the new standard. The new standard isn't by sacrificing bulls and goats. That's not the standard anymore. What the standard is now is the way I love you. That's my standard. So he said, number one. Number two, the new commandment he's talking about is the motive is new. No longer were you doing it to appease God and appease his anger. 
And come on, just fulfill the Mosaic law, the written law. No longer did they do that. How many know there's a new law written in their hearts now? There's a relationship now that now they're living in this relationship. And so it wasn't something that was just written now. It was something that you experienced firsthand. So Jesus is saying a new commandment I give you. A new commandment or a fresh commandment I give you. And that is to love one another. Notice this when he said love one another. He's talking about love one another, not all men. There's other places where Jesus teaches us to love all men. But here he's specifically saying, love one another. In other words, to the disciples he's talking, whether it was the 12 or the 70 or the 120, he was talking, he said, love one another. He was like, see these guys that you're standing by? Yeah, these guys right here, you need to love one another. This was a commandment not just to the disciples, but as Jesus said, to his church. To his church. Come on, to the church. To believers. So he was saying that this is a new commandment, a fresh commandment I'm giving you, to love one another. Yes, we're to love all men. The Bible teaches us to do that, be at peace with all men. But it says specifically that we are to love one another. Now let me just, let me just think, about this, think about this for a second, go into this, is that that word love there is the word agape love. Agape love. One of the few uh, meanings of love. There's actually several meanings of love. And it doesn't mean a romantic love. It doesn't mean an heiress love or a romantic love or essential love, uh, which God created us to do at certain times in His way. Can anybody say amen? It's not, a, it's not a brotherly love. It's not a filios love. It's not something that you're just nice to people and you have good manners. How many know anybody can do that? Anybody should do that. I've been at the grocery store this week, and I know a lot of people that should be doing that. Right? That's kindness. That's just manners. That's just, excuse me, thank you, sorry, you know, oh, you dropped something. That, that's brotherly love. Yes, we got to exercise that. But agape love. Agape love, it means something different, totally different than the love that we had before Jesus. Any love that you knew before Jesus was, was different. It was, you can experience it, but it was different. So agape love was something it means to affection or benevolence. It, it's, I like this word here. It means a love feast. That's foreign to us. Or a feast of charity, a feast of love. And, you know, I, I really uh, thought about something that uh, we, we began to talk about something as our leaders. Uh, one of the things we're going to be doing, and I was challenged by this. So I want to challenge you as a church. We're going to be talking about this more, a little bit more. But, you know, as a church, we do 21 days of fasting. Usually in January, at the beginning of the year, we dedicate the, that year to the Lord. But we're going to put out a challenge in just a few weeks of days of feasting. And everybody said, Amen. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And what we're going to do is we're going to challenge you with seven days of feasting. We'll talk more about that. But, you know, this is agape love. It talks about a love feast. It talks about a feast of charity. Or, and, and, and it talks about affection. Now, now again, this is different. It, agape love is a unique love. It is a love that can only be experienced. That can only be expressed because of Jesus Christ. Because of salvation. Because of the work of Calvary, we have agape love. Without the experience of Calvary, you will not know agape love. That's one of the only things that you cannot practice without Christ. Okay? In other words, you can be married without Jesus and you don't know the Lord and you're, you're not born again. You can be married for 70 years. You can be, uh, have a great time, be best friends, raise good kids. You can practice the principles love and not know the author of love. But when you know the author of love, now you enter it into a brand new, a brand new type of love, and it's called agape love. It is an, an affection that you haven't felt before. It's something you, you haven't entered into before. You didn't know before you knew Jesus. Think about it. You thought you did. You know, come on. You, you, were, you, you thought you had all, all those girlfriends and boyfriends and you thought you were really something when you were young. But that wasn't the love that Jesus gave us. That's not the love that he's talking about here. He's talking about something different, which is agape love. Now, in the 70s, we experienced this. We knew this. This was something on the front line. Everybody was talking about love and joy and peace. And how many know we need to keep talking about it? Amen. We need to keep talking about. But agape love, agape, what does that mean? It simply means this unique love that you can only experience through Christ or 
in Christ. It also means a deep care and a deep concern. It's not something that's like, oh, you know, today we use the term I love you. I love that. I love that. I, I love that movie. And then we turn around and say, I love you too. Or whatever. It's, it's not that type of love. It's a totally different. It's a deep care and a deep concern. When you really care enough about somebody, when you have a concern about something, when it's something that, that and here's the third part, not just the feeling of deep concern and care, but the action of care. The action of concern. How many know there's a difference if you feel concerned about somebody and if you do something about it? It's, there's difference. And so this is what agape is. Agape love isn't something we just feel. We sit around a campfire. You know, come on, some of you from the 70s, that was kind of neat, but it's, it's just, you know, it's just whatever. You know, it's just not there anymore. You know, we sit around a fire and someone strokes a guitar and we hold hands and we sway back and forth. That's not agape love. That's hippie love. Okay, we got that. We understand that. You can have that kind of love. But this is something that you don't just feel. Oh, I feel. Can you feel the love tonight? No. Yeah, okay. No, no, no. Not talking about that. We're talking about something that when you, it's something that's birthed deep inside that causes you to move on that, to act out on that. In a way that's not, that's caring and concerning for that person that has nothing to do with you, but has everything to do with other people. This is what it means. And it means to, it's an attribute that is seen. Notice what he said, this is how the world will know. It's something that's seen. It's something that is not just felt, it's an action, it's evidence, it's proof. It's something I can see, I can tell that you love somebody by the way that you act. It just reminds me of people, well, I love God in my heart, but I don't go, you know, go, you know, do, you know, do anything. I don't talk about him. I don't worship him. I don't pray. I don't read my Bible. Oh, but I love God passionately in my heart. See, that's not the love of God. The love of God causes you to do something. It causes you to change into something. Come on. It, change, it causes you to do something about the situation. It causes you to, to act out on. The Bible says that Jesus had compassion and he healed everybody. How many know it's, it's great if Jesus stood on a mountain and just prayed and had compassion. Oh, I have so much compassion for these people. And then went to heaven. I mean, we'd be like, okay, yeah, but where is the love, right? That's what we would say. But how many know Jesus demonstrated the love of God by coming and giving himself for us, dying on the cross, doing miracles, healing bodies, saving souls. Amen. That's demonstrating the love of God. So when you say that you love your brother, the Bible says, and that yet you hate him, you are a liar. Wow. I don't want to get into that one because I'll start losing followers. But you know, it's an attribute. It's something, so let me put it this way. It's not just something that positionally we, we are to join together. We love each other through Christ. It's, it's a priority. It's a priority that we love. It's a priority in our lives. It's something that, that is a major, major part of our daily lives. It's a priority. And then here's what agape really means. Personal involvement. It's personal involvement. How many know what I'm talking about? Personal involvement. All right. Good day. Good day. All right. Amen. And this is real love. This is genuine love. This is authentic love. This isn't something that you just make it up. This is the love of God. This is God's love. Now let me just say this about God's love. It's not, God's love is not something that I can create. Just hear, be very careful to hear me. It's not something that I can create. It's, some, it's not something that originate because of, because of me. It doesn't originate because of me. It's not something I can create. It's the love of God. And I am responsible to share that love. I am responsible to move in that love. I am responsible to grow in that love. I am responsible to know the love of God. Right? And to express the love of God. It's not mine. It's His love. It's the love of God. It's not automatic. It's not something that I just sit back and say, well, I got the love of God. It's going to come out of me. No. It's something that I have to take responsibility. I have to work at, but it's not mine. It doesn't originate from me. Is anybody hearing me? It's not originally from me. That's why the Bible says love your neighbor better than you love yourself because the Lord knew if it was up to you, you would only love yourself. 
You would love other people. So you need something better than what you have. You need the love of God. You need God's love. Come on, somebody. You, you don't need your kind of love. It's just for you and your kind. That's the kind of love that I would express. But if I express God's love, it's for you. It's for other people. It's for those that are hurting. Is anybody listening? It's for those who have a need. It's for those who are around me. Those are my neighbors. Those are the people that are in my world. And so this is what it means. It's, 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 it's not because of me. It doesn't originate from me. And so it's funny about the love of God. The love of God, God's love, puts me in, in a place with other people that I don't have anything in common with. A lot of times, uh, you know, I'm surrounded by people with different interests, even different language, uh, the di di even di different geographic locations, different skin color. I mean, come on. His love puts you in the place where, among people that you don't have anything in the, in, in the natural. But here's, here's the challenge. Here's the good thing is that his love, it's so that his love can be expressed, not yours. It's that his love can be expressed and seen. So he'll put you with people that you don't really like, you don't get along with, you don't have anything in common with, you don't have the same skin tone, you don't have to speak the same language, but guess what? Here's an opportunity for the love of God to move through you because it's not your love, it's his love. Amen? Isn't that great? That's why he put you in a church that's multiracial, multicultural, because it's not about you and your crew anymore. It's not about you and your kind anymore. It's not about just you. It's about us. Us in Christ. Isn't that great? I'll tell you what, that, that's challenging, isn't it? But, you know, it, and when you, when you know the love of God, it completely it gets rid of all, all selfishness and depression and loneliness and isolation and self-preservation. It, all that goes away because now you've got to live with other people. You've got to love other people that you don't really get along with. You don't even know them. You don't have the same interests. You don't go the same places. But yet you can love them. Amen. And so that's, that's what's so powerful about agape love or real love, authentic love. And I just wanted to say this, that, you know, I've noticed this about the Lord God's love has a way of doing this. God will always do this, and especially about his love, because we're talking about it today. God has a way of doing this. God has a way of always bringing a fresh move or a fresh emphasis on a, a, a particular truth when a culture has gotten away from that truth. Think about it. When, when today love is so twisted... So from the original, come on, the original meaning, the original intent, it's, it's so out there, it's so smeared, it's so abused. And God will always bring a move of the Spirit, always bring a, an emphasis, if you will, on a particular truth that is being abused in a culture to bring the culture back to see the real and genuine. Amen? But he's got to use his people. It's got to flow through his people. His people are the ones. Jesus said, this is how everybody's going to know that you're my disciples if you have love one to another. See, you're praying for revival. You're praying. That's great. But you've got to practice the love of God. Amen. I mean, it's great. We have all kinds of preaching today. But man, we've got to have the love of God flowing in our neighborhoods, in our homes, in our churches. I mean, it's got to be the love of God. And some of people are like, yeah, yeah, it's all about love today. No, it's about God's love today. It's about God's love today, amen, right? God's love today. Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says this. It says, don't just pretend to love other people or others. Really love them. The word in the King James says dissimulation. Don't lo love without dissimulation. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. That word there dissimulation in the King James or just don't pretend means to wear a mask. Don't be a hypocrite. Don't love in hypocrisy. Don't say one thing and do another. Jesus himself said this about the people of his day that he had an issue with. He said they speak to me or they talk about me with their lips but their heart is far from me. Their affections are heart from me. There's a hypocrite situation going. And many times Jesus turned to the, the Pharisees and said, You hypocrites! You have a, 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 a... Come on. It was Halloween for them. They were wearing a mask. Come on. It was like, are you hypocrites? 
You're putting on such a great show like you love God, but your heart is so far from me. You're all about riches. You're all about selfishness. You're all about lust. That's what Jesus is saying. And then he said this. He said, look, if, in other words, in, in whatever's in your heart, it's got to come out of your mouth. And so if you really love God, the Bible says it will show by loving other people. It's impossible, the Bible says in 1 John, it's impossible to say that you love God and hate your brother. It's impossible. Anybody listening? And impossible. Impossible. It's impossible for you to be in Christ and hate a particular color or race. It's impossible. You can't do it. You can't say you love God and hate other people. It's not happening. God doesn't care about your worship. He doesn't care about your money. He doesn't care about it anymore. Come on. Your motive's wrong. The standard's wrong. You've got to come back to the new commandment that he gave us. That his standard is the standard that we measure things by. Think about it. And notice what Jesus said here. It's a command. Love is a command. Well, I'll love when I get around to it. I'll love when I feel like it. I'll love when I have time to love. I'll love when that person's nice to me. I'll love when the, everything is conducive for love in my world, my environment. No, I don't think so. Jesus said it's a command. That's pretty strong language, isn't it? You think that love wasn't a command. He think that, hey, if you love people, just you know, kind of do it whenever you want. No, he's like, it's a command. I'm giving you a command. And you know, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, anything that Jesus says to do is a non-negotiable instruction to me personally. I mean, he's, it's directly a non-negotiable instruction that Jesus is giving me. That's a command. Can anybody say amen? It, it's, it, you, there's, no, there's no, well, I don't want to. Well, I think just because the culture's different, things have changed now. In fact, I heard a Christian say recently that Jesus never puts demands on us. He only asks us questions. Now, if you go along with that kind of mentality and that kind of thinking, this is what's going to happen. You're going to take away from the sovereignty and deity of Jesus Christ. Oh, he doesn't really demand anything from me. He doesn't give me commands anymore. Really? Really? Oh, yes, he does. Why? Because he's God. And this is his world. And, and my life is in his hands. And, and he, come on, somebody. I'm his, he can give commands. In fact, he tells the wind what to do. He tells the lightning when to go. I mean, I mean he's into commands. And I'm not going to be a church that's bare, kind of ignorant about the fact that commands are still for today. If love is for today, then commands are for today because love is a command from God. If there's not any commands today, then there's no love today. Then there's no peace today. Those things are commands. Amen? Is anybody listening? Love is a command. I want to follow. These are non-negotiable. These are things that I don't even bring up as a discussion. I don't even consider questioning the commands of Jesus. I just don't. I'm a disciple. I've already made up that choice. I already told the Lord a long time ago, whatever you say, I will do. You're the master. I'm the servant. You're the teacher. I'm the pupil. If that's what you said to do, that's what I'm going to do. Anybody? Well, nobody's walking out, so I'm still good. So, see, Jesus, I mean, I mean this is just, wait, let's move on. This is what I love. This is the point right here, this point right here, what he says. He says this in verse 35. He said that, as I have loved you, so love one another. I mean, this is amazing. This, this right here is the heart of what Jesus is saying. This is the way to do it right here. If we have any questions about how to love or who to love or why to love, right here it is. He said, as I have loved you, so love one another. That's amazing. That's, that just blows my mind. He said, even as I've loved you, or after the manner or the type of love, the, the type of my love to you, that, the love that I gave you, the love that I expressed to you at Calvary, that's the way you are to love other people. See, God really doesn't let us get away with a whole bunch because we would. We would say, well, I'll just love a little today and maybe it'll grow for people or I'll love that neighbor and not that person or Come on, if it was up to us. But we've got to say, Lord, you told me to love everybody. And, and here's, here's, it's not just love one another. It's love the way Jesus loved us. I mean, I mean this, is this, is, this blows my mind. 
the way that Jesus loved me. The Bible says that before I knew him, when I was still in sin, he died for me. Jesus said, what did Jesus tell us? Jesus told us to bless those that curse you. Do good to those who despitefully use you, who persecute you. Come on, pray for people who hate you. Why could Jesus said that, or say that and tell us to do that? Because he did that. When you were cursing him, he was blessing you. When, come on, when you were hating him, he was praying for you. When you were taken, he was giving. And so Jesus lived this out. So that's why Jesus said it. It blew their mind. It was a new standard of loving. It wasn't like, okay, I'll love if you love first. Then I, okay, okay. If you love first, then I'll love too. No, no. Jesus said, the way I loved you, that's how you love other people. Come on, somebody. How many know I didn't come looking for him? He came looking for me. I didn't ask. I, didn't, I, I wasn't seeking him. He was seeking me. Come on, I didn't deserve what he gave me. I, I still don't deserve what he gives me. Can anybody lift your hand to heaven and say, I, I, I didn't get it. I still don't get what, he de what I deserve. But he keeps giving it. He keeps pouring out. He keeps showing mercy. I keep breaking the rules. He keeps forgiving. Are you, are you, do I got anybody in the room that had a second chance from the Lord? Did I have anybody in the room that you felt it was way over, long gone, way past? You had gone beyond anybody on this earth who loved you, but Jesus still loved you. He still reached out to you. You were unlovable. You were unreachable. You Come on, you didn't smell right. You didn't look right. You didn't talk right. But he loved you and still loves you to this day. I didn't ask for him, but he came looking for me. He came reaching out. He, he extended invitation. And so the Bible says, Jesus said, that's the way you love other people. You don't wait for them to come to church. You don't wait for them to get right. You don't wait for them to get perfect. You don't wait for them to ask for forgiveness. You don't wait for them to be on the same voting you know, political party as you. You love them the way that I loved you. That completely blows me away. Doesn't that just do away with all our excuses? Doesn't that just all our justifications for hate, all our justifications for prejudice, doesn't that just go out the window? I don't know about you, but I'm so glad, I'm so glad that he didn't love just the Jewish people. But he opened the door and he extended an invitation to all, amen. And so now you've got every kindred, every tongue, every nation under the sun, amen, can come in through the fellowship of his blood because of what Jesus did. Aren't you glad for that? I'm glad for that, amen. Amen. So we need to love like Jesus, let me give you some scriptures on this one. John 4, 11, Jesus said, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. John said that. Jesus said in John 15, 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, than he that lay down his life for his friends. That's the kind of genuine, authentic love God wants us to get back to in this culture. Not this excusing, this, this kind of this greasy, uh, cloudy, this kind of foggy love that just excuses bad behavior and rotten character and a lot of, come on, a lot of garbage. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the love of God. Amen. That, that God wants us to move in today. Amen. That forgives, that shows mercy, that has grace. Come on. That speaks the truth, that tells the truth, that is honest and, and upright. Amen. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, hereby we understand or perceive the love of God because He laid His life down for us. So we ought to lay our lives down for the brethren. We don't say that anymore, do we? For the brothers. For one another. Those who are in Christ, we lay our lives down. Amen. I mean, I don't know about you, but Jesus paid the ultimate price for me. And if you ever lose sight of that, You'll grow cold in your heart towards the Lord. If you ever forget where God brought you from, if you ever forget, that's why communion is so important and fellowship with the Lord every day because he said, do this in remembrance. Don't forget me. Why? Because it's human nature to forget the Lord. 
It's human nature. When things get going good, all of a sudden we forget who our provider is. When things start going great for us and everybody likes us, it's it's easy for us to forget who was the friend that stuck closer than any brother. Who was the one that loved us through the darkness? Who was the one that was with us when everybody else was gone? Who was the one, amen, that brought us through when we couldn't come through ourselves? Who lifted us up out of the valley? Who's the one that encouraged us? Who's the one that brought joy? Who's the one that brought sunshine And when there was darkness? It was Jesus Christ. And yet, in the good times, we forget all that. We forget all that. We all like, okay, and we come to church, and we get around other believers. If I can just get this burden lifted, if I could just get my life better, if I could just, you know, be a, a, get a relationship that I, I, I can do what I want, and nobody will say anything, if I could just get there. No, 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 no. See, this is different, isn't it? This is the love of God. This is genuine and where we really live. And so, the, the other thing that Jesus said, the last thing he said in this scripture is, everyone will know that you're Jesus followers. Everyone will know that you're following Jesus Christ. That's amazing. That's amazing. This is one of the best ways to witness is to love other people, especially the church. And, I, and I've got to be honest with you, I'm not going to get on the soapbox about this. This is going to be in a couple weeks I'll do that. I'll bring my soapbox. But I've got to be honest with you, it just blows my mind that the, the amount of people that are critical about the church I mean, I understand people get hurt and disappointed and, and they looked up to somebody and they fell and they don't want anything to do with church. I understand that fully. I get that. Amen. But people who make a living, really, literally, who, who, who just spend their days bashing Christians, bash, they're not doing it this way and they're doing it, did you hear what they said? And this, listen, we've got to get off that. As it's hurting the church. Hurt people, hurt people. Stop trying to make everybody hurt the way you got hurt. You need to forgive, receive the love of Jesus, and don't turn from Jesus, but run to Him in your pain. Amen? Amen. And I'm, I'm going to tell you something. We, and pe listen, pe more, more people get offended because of the bad-mouthing of other Christians from Christians than anything else. I, I mean, you, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm guilty as anybody else. I see it and I'm like shaking my head like, you know, I like to tell some of these, these Christians, some of these pastors, some of these churches, what are you doing? You're embarrassing the rest of us. Please stop. Okay? We got it. Stop. Just, just stop. You're embarrassing the rest of the family. Can you just stop? <laughs> How many have ever got that way? You saw some Christians, you're like, oh my goodness, Lord. Just stop already. Amen? You're making, you know, but, but how many know we still got to love? We still got to say, Lord, you got to help them because I, you know, come on, some, come on, it's like a family. You got, some of you guys got crazy aunts and uncles. They're just like so embarrassed when they come to the family reunion. You're like, oh my gosh, I'll just get my piece of the cake and leave. I don't want to talk to these people. But how many know that's, that's other believers, man. They're out there. You got, we got crazy uncles and aunts, man. We got to love them. So come on, come on. Someone said the church is like a good cookie. It's mostly sweet, but it's occasionally filled with nuts. Amen? Come on. Amen. And so Jesus said, this is how people will know. This, this strong bond that you have for other people, that, you know, particularly other believers, other Christians, this, it's visible. It's visible. It's something, it's an action. It's fruit. It, it's, like, it's like, and let me just say this. Notice this. Uh, how people, you will judge a tree by the fruit before you judge it by the roots. You'll always judge the product before you judge the source. If you don't like the product, then of course you blame the source. But you always look to, you always look to, and that's what Jesus was saying. People are going to look to you as the disciples before they look to me. They're going to see your bad witness before they don't like me. They're going to hate you before because they hated me, but they're going to hate you first. Come on. Then they're going to reject me. Because of your bad witness. Isn't that what it says in Romans? It said that people speak evil of God because of you. Ouch. It's like, ouch, Lord, seriously? Yeah, and God's saying, look, you go up to a tree, and it, it, I mean, if it's got nasty fruit, if it's not producing, guess what? You look at the fruit first. You don't look at the root. Amen? But notice what he said here. Notice the, the implication of distinction here. That's why he said not just all men, he said love one another. There's a, there's, a, there's a distinction here. There is a, 
and this is what all through the Bible you see, we are distinct, but not better than. Does everybody get that? We are distinct. We're separated, but we're not isolated. Some people act like they're isolated from the world. Uh Uh-huh, I'm going to heaven. You're not. You're going to hell. Too bad. You know? Come on, you don't know Jesus. I do. Have a good life. You know what I'm saying? It's just, how many know there is a distinction? Jesus makes a distinction. Here he said, this is how the world will know that you are mine by the love that you have for one another. What is the glue? What is the, I should say, the magnet that will draw people? It's the love that we have for one another. If you don't have love for one another, there's not going to be any pulling power. There's not going to be any, anything that draws people to Jesus. That's what he's saying. He's making a distinction. He's saying, look, the world's looking from the outside in, and they're looking at the church, and one of the things that they're going to be able to, they're going to see and they're going to judge how good God is, is how much you love one another. That's how important it is. That's how vital it is. That's why it's so important that we, the Bible says, strive for peace, that we keep the peace. We come into the unity of the faith. That's why it's important that we don't just like people we're sitting by in church or we just sit by people that we like and smell good. How many know that God wants you to come into the house of the Lord and say, you know what, who's new here? Who can I sit by? Maybe I need to greet somebody today that I don't know. Maybe I need to go have coffee with them. Maybe I need to get out of my comfort zone and talk to somebody that I've never talked to before because I've got to love them through Jesus Christ. Amen? Maybe I shouldn't come to church just for me. Maybe I should come for somebody else. Amen? All right. Well, that really broke a a little bit there. Anyway, so, again, this distinction, we're separated, not isolated. We are are loved by God. We are not overprivileged. We are loved. This is important. We are loved by God, not overprivileged. Too many Christians act like, I am overprivileged. I am, I am, and they get this entitlement mentality that people owe them, that God owes them something, that I deserve his forgiveness. I, I did this, I, he has to forgive me. Or you owe me, you better forgive me. You better treat me right. How many know that mess goes right out the window? That there's not even any of that ounce of that in the kingdom of God. That's all right for the world who don't know love, but for us who do know love, we don't say, you owe me. You know what we say? I owe you. I owe him. Amen. I'm indebted to him, and therefore I'm indebted to you. Wow. And so people, I I believe this is the way they are. They're looking for real love. They're coming into this circle of Christianity, and they're saying, oh, I'm a Christian. One of the first things they're looking for is love. They're looking for the love of God. That's why it's so important that you show the love of God through the works that you do. Because the Bible says, let your light so shine. That's not something that you just, oh, I'm singing in church, my light is shining. No, it doesn't matter when you're shining with a bunch of other lights. (laughs) It's only in darkness when your light shines that it really means something. It doesn't matter when you come here and there's a bunch of lines. Look how bright I am. Look, I'm shining. You're shining. Who cares? It doesn't mean anything. What it means is you go out into the darkest of the dark of night and you begin to shine. And that's when people begin to notice, wow, there's something to Jesus. There's something to this Christianity. Amen. That's the same thing with the love of God. Amen. Let's practice it this week. And so... This is this living attribute. This isn't just this emotional. It's not just emotional, but it's physical. Just like Jesus' death on the cross, it was physical. He didn't just come and say, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. I'm out, I'll see you. No. He said, I love you, and I'll show it to you. I love you, and I'll prove it. I'm going to know. Come on. There's some proof in love. If you love somebody, you will show it. Amen? Right? And all the wives needed to say an amen right there. If you love somebody, you will show. You will, it will prove it. It proves that you love. And, and so I just wanted to drive that home today. And I believe that one of the things I, I believe that in our, in our world, and our culture, is that is, is, is 
we, we walk through these things, these social issues that the world can't figure out and they can't get right and they're trying to navigate through without Jesus. I believe that we, we can live these principles out. I believe that we can live the things that the world is trying to search for. We can live them out on a daily basis. I believe that with the social issues that some of the things that we're facing in our culture, you know, it, it's really the love of God. It's the grace of God. It's the truth, the foundational truth of God that as we live it out, these issues that the world can't figure out, God will reveal to people. God will show people, this is right, this is true, this is the genuine. It's so important that we walk in the love of God in these days because people don't know the love. They don't understand the love of God. And let me tell you something, they're not going to figure it out without Him. Amen? So we've, it's so important that we do these things. And so uh, all these issues that the world can't seem to figure out, we can live them out. Because of the scriptures and because of the love of God, we can live these things out. Amen. I just really appreciate that. But, you know, one of the things as I close, I just want to give you some things. And I didn't know how this was going to go today. I've got some other things to share. Can't share them right now. But I want to give you some myth busters. Is that okay? I'm not a myth buster guy. I just threw this in here. But because I looked at this and I thought, when we talk about the love of God and we talk about being the church and we talk about being the family of God, I think there's just some myths that come up. I think there's some myth busters that, uh, you know, kind of come up and, and, and we, we need to discuss. And that is, number one, is all we need is miracles. There's a lot of people that just believe... You know, that all we need is supernatural. Once we have the supernatural, we'll be okay. Then God's, you know, then, then people are going to be okay. Their character is going to be great. Their marriage is going to be great. The church will line up. It's all about miracles. How many know it's not all about miracles? It's not all about the supernatural. You can't live that way. Let me just give you an example. Now, just because oil is used in the Bible as a type of the Holy Spirit doesn't mean that's the only thing you need to make the church run. Okay? Amen. Thank God for the oil. But you've got to have something else. It's called the character and the integrity of the Spirit. Maybe I should skip over this one. But people, believe, oh, it just takes miracles. We just need a miracle. We just need a miracle. Let me tell you something. It takes both and. It's not either or. It's not just the supernatural. It is the character that goes along with the gifts. It, come on. It is the supernatural, but it is the natural too. As go. In the church in Corinth, Paul had to straighten these guys out. They were a dynamic church. They had the gifts of the Spirit flowing every week like you wouldn't believe. They were the most spiritually dynamic church probably of the New Testament. Think about it. They had the gifts, supernatural, miracles, everything, but they couldn't deal with sin in the church. They were allowing it to go on, and they did not have character. They were rich in the gifts. They were bankrupt in character. You cannot fill the gifts of the Spirit in the gaps of character. You've got to have character as well as the gifts. Come on, somebody. Amen. Thank God for people. But I know some people, that's all they run after. They just run after the supernatural. Oh, I'm going to go here because you know, there's gold dust over here and there's angels over here. And, and I've got... No, no, no. You can't live like that. And let me just tell you this. This is the truth of this. Is that when we move in love, then miracles happen. I'm telling this sounds so practical to people that can't get it. When you move in love, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He said, You prophesy, you have all this knowledge, but you don't have any love. It doesn't mean anything. When they got the love part right, come on, when they got the love part right, the church of Corinth exploded even more. Because they had the supernatural, but they had the character to back it up. Listen, you can prophesy, but when you're lying at work, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be a witness to anybody. When you're stealing, when you're dishonest, when you're lusting, come on, and then you try to tell somebody, here's a track, brother, here's about Jesus. How many know we got to live in a culture where, of, of, of kingdom culture there, both of those line up? Amen? Give a track, but work hard and tell the truth and live right. Amen. And, that, and that's, amen, that's what our culture needs. And so... You know, I, I really believe that a healthy church has the gifts of the Spirit flowing, has the supernatural element, but it also has love, it has serving, it has giving, it has helps. Come on. It is a balanced, healthy church. Amen. That's the truth. The second myth is that all we need is a big church. If we can just grow this thing so big, then we're successful. Or we're going to be healthy. How many know you can't measure health just by church attendance? you got to have more than that. 
Listen, I've seen small churches with big attitudes and I've seen big churches with small mentalities. So it doesn't matter the size, it's the health of the church. It, has, it just doesn't mean anything if you've got a lot of people coming and a lot of people are lost. Amen? What we want is what we're trying to get is we're trying to get people in the door, but we're trying to get people grown up in the Lord so they can go out of the door to bring more people into the door. No pun intended. Amen. Right? Church attendance is not growth. It's not spirituality. It's not success. It's a good thing. It's a great thing. I love church attendance. I'm taking it right now. No, I'm just kidding. No, no. I believe in it. I, I got that. I, I'm all about it. But it's not, that's not where you stop. Because the truth is, a spiritually developing church is a healthy church. Not a hyper-spiritual church, come on, that ignores practical stuff and good teaching. I'm talking about a spiritually developing church is a healthy church. If you're five people that meet under a tree, as they do in Kenya, come on. And, and you're developing and growing and reaching and, and doing all these. Come on, that's a healthy church. Amen. The other thing is, is the other myth is this. All I need is Sunday church. How many know that's a myth? That's a total myth right there. Amen. And you know, there's a, there's a, there's a belief that if I'm not really saved unless I go to church. How many have ever heard somebody saying that? I just got to get back in the house of God. I just got, I've been witnessing to people on the street you know, and it's like, I just got to get back in church. I know I got to get, I know I haven't been to church. I know I haven't been. I said, brother, it's not about getting to church. It's about getting back to Jesus. Amen. You can fill a, a seat, but if God isn't filling your heart, you won't fill the kingdom. You won't fill heaven. You can fill a building. That doesn't mean anything. You can light candles, pray prayers, dance all over. It doesn't mean, it, it's not, that's not what it's about. Thank God we meet in church. Thank God you want to get back in church. But it does, people mean, oh, I was in church. I, where were you last week, brother? You weren't in church. What, are you backsliding? No, I, my boss asked me to work. I mean, seriously. Amen. Come on, that's a myth. Amen. You know, unless I'm in the house, I'm not, I'm not right with God. Listen, we've got to get away from that. You are the church. Wherever you go is church. Believe me, I'm into the gathering of saints. But I'm not here, amen, as a weekend warrior, a one-day pop, amen, show where I get a little injection and then I'm okay. No, this is about... I'm getting an input so there's an outflow for the rest of the week. Amen. Because I've got a mission to accomplish. I've got work to do. I've got a life to live. This just encourages me. This just builds me up. This just Listen, I don't stay on this hyper level or whatever you get. I've I, I got to go to work. I've got to do this. I've got to live this life. And I'm just here to energize my batteries. I'm just here to encourage somebody. I'm here to build up the body so that the rest of the week we can win the lost. See what I'm saying? Amen. I'm telling you, for some people, everything rises and falls on Sunday morning. I mean, you got the hat to go with it. You've got the clothes to go with it. Everything's about the show. Everything's about that one two-hour segment, four-hour segment if you're spiritual. I mean, everything's about church. If church, i got to get out. Listen, let's get back to the Lord. Let's get back to the Word. Let's get back to the Prince. Let's get back to living it. Amen. And showing it. And then when we come together, it'll be explosive. It'll be great. Amen. So that's the truth. The truth is, amen, about that one, is Sunday gatherings are toward that intake for a greater outflow. That's what it's about. And the fourth thing, in closing with this, is this myth that the pastor is paid to do all the work. I'm going to say amen at this one. Um, this is a myth. Um, amen. But, you know, it's like I've heard people say, well, we have an outreach team that feeds the poor, and I give the money to them. And then, you know, I'm doing my job. No, no, I'm here to equip you to do what God called you to do so that we can all work together so that we can win the city. There's just no way one person should have the weight of doing everything, of all the work. I'm here to, to and let me just say this, thank God, you know, for, the, for, for, what, for what is given to us. But I'm going to tell you something right now. This is about the kingdom. This is about the Lord. Amen. This isn't about uh, a pastor is not the king of the church. I know some churches, that's all it's about. He's the king of the church. No, I'm not a chief of some tribe. I'm just a, a someone that has a little bit more responsibility than some other people in the church. But we've all got a responsibility. We've all got standards to live. We've all got a mission to do. We all come together. Amen. We all need it. Amen. Amen. 
All right. And the truth is, is that each member grows healthy by contributing by love. You've got to contribute, amen, to the body of Christ. And you do that by the standard Jesus gave us. The new commandment Jesus gave us is love the way He loves. The way He loves us. Aren't you glad for the way He loved you? I mean, I, I feel that there is a revelation to some people that they need to see how much God loves them. I mean, I mean, seriously, that really needs to, we need to walk in that. When we understand how lost we were, how disconnected we were, how cursed we were, if you will, come on, how separated we were, we were from God. We were so far from God. We, I mean, we were, we were galaxies away from, Jesus, from, from the Lord. But the Bible says the blood of Jesus brought us together. Amen. Brought us. It was that bridge across that canyon. It was those nails, amen, that sealed the deal, that brought that relationship together. Come on, somebody. Amen. And we experience this agape love on a daily basis. I want you to share it on a daily basis. Let's live this thing out loud. Let's live, amen, the love of God, not just in our hearts for one another. Let's really, really, really make up our minds that we're going to love each other in this house, in Jesus' name. Can you stand on your feet today? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. As the Bible says in John 13, 34, and 35, it says, Jesus said, a new commandment I'm giving you, love one another just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love that I've loved you, this is how people are going to know that you're my true followers. This is how God is going to know. So today I want to encourage you to step out a little bit more. Before you leave this building, I want you to, to show the love of God a little bit more than you did last week or did today when you walked in this building. And I'm telling you right now, God is changing the culture and the face of this church. Not because it's, it's a new day, a new leadership or whatever. It's because there's a culture that needs Jesus Christ. There is a world that needs real love. There are young ladies, there are young men, there are children, there are husbands, wives, there are men and women who absolutely do not know love. They just don't know it. And here we sit with the love of our soul on the inside. Let's demonstrate His love. Let's demonstrate the way that He loved us. Let's show how much God loves them. Amen. Ask the Lord this week. Say, Lord, how can I do that? How can I do that? How can I do that with the people around me, with people in the congregation first? How can I leave this place today and say, I want to show the love of God? Maybe it's just a compliment. Maybe it's just a, 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 just a, a word, a kind word. Maybe it's just an encouragement. Maybe it's just, brother, uh, thank you for encouraging me. Or, or uh, just have a great week with your family. With the, Come on, somebody. Maybe it's just a hug. and Maybe it's just a simple thing like that. That's why the Bible says five times to greet each other. Amen. Greet each other in the Lord. Amen. With a hug and a kiss. And that, so that's the way it is because we're a family. And so this, let's show some family love today as we leave. But let's just pray because I feel that there's some people in here that may not know the Lord. You may have come to church and been trying to be religious in the past. Maybe you fell away from the Lord. Maybe you went in another direction and you found yourself in sin and compromise. And you knew you're not supposed to be there. You knew it. It just wasn't God. You knew you got away from some things. And, and you feel like you should get back in the church. But really, it's ultimately you need to get back to Jesus Christ. You need to come back into fellowship, into the faith. And say, you know, into the fellowship of faith. And just say, Lord, here I am today. I, I fell. But you love me so much that you're willing, Lord, to forgive me. The Bible says that if we confess our faults, he is faithful and just. Our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. Amen. Today, if that's you and you say, I'm coming back to the Lord, I'm coming back to the, the where, I, where I fell from, that relationship of love, that agape love, that love that is just amazing that I can't share with anybody else. Some of you have been hurt by the church. Some of you have left other churches. And, and maybe this is a church that you're coming back and saying, I'm going to give this church a second chance. Let me tell you something. Let's do this in the love of God. Let's move forward from today on in the love of God of God and the forgiveness of Calvary, the forgiveness that was expressed to us freely, given to us freely. Let's give it out today freely in Jesus' name. 
Lord, we just thank you that you are on the move. You're changing, you're developing, you're working. I thank you, Lord, that you're working with everyone in this place. You're loving them and living inside them. Everyone in this place, you're loving on them today. I thank you, Lord, that you're, you're changing us, you're transforming us by the power of your word, Lord, that we can be greater dispensers of the love of Jesus. I can't keep it inside, Lord. I can't, I, I, I just no way that I can keep what you did for me at Calvary quiet, God. I just can't do it. I've got to show it. I can't just say it. I've got to show it. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is not in word only, but in power and demonstration. We thank you for that, Lord. Help us, Lord, today. If there's anybody here, Lord, under the sound of my voice that's been away from you, and they they said, Lord, I really haven't walked with you, and I've let other things get in the way. I've worshiped other things. I've prioritized other things. I've gotten away. I've even been living in sin. Lord, may they confess their sin. And Lord, I thank you that you forgive them. You are are ready to forgive today, full of compassion. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said?